You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. What a beautiful passage. James was right. We all probably know this, right? Gold star for knowing this. First Corinthians 30. What's it often known as? The wedding passage. And I was thinking back. I'm, I was thinking, I don't think I've preached 1 Corinthians 13. I can't remember if I've preached it. Well, not in this context, at least. I've preached it at plenty, plenty of weddings because that's what people want. And the natural reaction is when people hear this passage, is, this is what I call the awe passage. You know, people hear this one, they go, oh. You don't even have to be a Christian to go, oh. It's beautiful, it's sweet, it's poetic. You know, it's, it's wonderful, it's the oh passage. And what I want you to know this morning is that is exactly not what Paul meant this passage to be. This passage is a proverbial kick in the face with a golf shoe, if you understand what this passage is to the people that he was writing it to. When the Corinthians first got this, they weren't going, oh, this is lovely. In fact, there's a bombshell in here that we're going to see that's astonishing. But we'll get that to a second because I want you to look at the case study of Corinth. Because of all the ancient cities, Corinth and its church within it is probably the most like Sydney and the most like Northside. You see, Corinth was a hub of transport. It was a place of commerce. It was probably only about 10 years old at the time of writing this letter. So in ancient cities, this is such a young city. This is like the Dubai of the ancient world. It's just, it's just sprung up because it's a hub for commerce now. And so what that meant is that nobody lived there except to be successful. Everyone was moving into Corinth and there weren't many native people there and there weren't old families and there was no old tradition. It was this hub of high-tech entrepreneurship that people were moving into to be a part of that. And so as a result, it attracts this bunch of people who are unusually resourceful and entrepreneurial and professional and driven and ambitious. And so not surprisingly then, the church in Corinth has this whole bunch of people in it that are basically a reflection of the culture around it. And so it's not hard to see that, that when Paul starts talking about all these different gifts and abilities in verses 1 to 3 here in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about all the things that they are. They're, they're dynamic. We'll see this in a sec, but they've got leadership gifts and they're getting revelations from God and they're extremely, extremely talented. And so that's what they are. But then on the other hand, he's saying the important thing is verses 4 to 7 that we read. That this is why that when the Corinthians read this, they're not going, oh. You see, it's, it's almost, uh, it almost feels like a rebuke or an insult to them. Because, look, how did, how did Paul come up with love is patient, love is kind? You know, Paul's not sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, there's going to be a wedding at Gunner's Barracks in Mossman in 2015. And we just need something pretty. Right? No, Paul's saying that because this is all the very things that the character of the Corinthian church wasn't. It was the antith- they weren't kind and, and they were boasting and they were proud and they were rude and they were self seeking and they were all the very sorts of things that, let's just be observational here, professionals can be like. They were just a classic, talented, dynamic, professional church. And so Paul is saying, you are the most talented group of people that I have ever met in my ministry and my life. But when it comes to your actual character, your doing is great, but your being stinks. Why is doing? Professionals are always doing. But the being bit is the difficult bit in all of that. Now, is that what he's saying to us at Northside this morning? No. No, but... 
it's, it's a bit of a, it's a tough warning shot across our bow, right? Because, look, look, let's be real here. If ever there is a church that's reflective of the Corinthian church and a city that's reflective of the Corinthian city, it's Sydney and it's Northside. And that we've been through Catalyst Nights and we've come to recognise that we're a wonderfully diverse bunch of people, but we're a church that is predominantly filled with professionals. It's not saying that we aspire to be that, but that is reflective of the culture that we have here. And so it's, it's, it's saying we're the same sort of city, the same sort of people, the same sort of urban mix. And what Paul is saying in all of this, when it comes down to doing church and the fundamentals of church, character is everything. Character's everything. And so he just gives us one key principle. This is a one-point sermon this morning. Real easy to understand. One point, not three. Just one. One, right? You okay with one? All right, I just want to make sure. Here's the one point that Paul is saying to us this morning. And that is, Northside, don't mistake your talents for character. And here's where he drops the bombshell, verse 2. He says, if, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but not have love, I am nothing. Now, all of the commentators agree here that when he talks about a faith that can move mountains, he can't be talking about a saving faith, not the faith that makes you right with God, not the faith that does the work and make you right with God. What he's talking about, faith that can move mountains, it's, it's an active faith, it's a doing faith. What he's effectively talking about is leadership gift. Now, leadership is the ability to take people on the journey that you're going on and to develop followers. And he's saying this is the sort of active doing faith. All the commentators agree that he's talking about. It's this leadership gift that he's talking about. And so let me show you how astonishing what he's saying here is. Paul, here's what he's saying. Paul is saying it is possible to be a leader and a participant in the church and, and to lead hundreds, if not thousands of people to Christ to lead services and ministries and groups of, of hundreds of people if God works through in a mighty way. It's possible to be a leader in the church and to not be a Christian at all. That, that sounds ridiculous. That sounds outstanding. But what he's saying here is this, that, that God could have used you and you not be a Christian at all. That's what verse 2 is saying, that it's possible that you could have done all of these things for God. Leadership, the prophesying, that was revelations from God, words from God, encouragement from God, big things. You could do all of that and it ends up at spiritually zero. Jonathan Edwards says it's possible to have incredible spiritual gifts and talents and not have it in the heart. Spiritual gifts are like the jewels that we carry around in our pockets. But, uh, but to the, the gift and the grace of the Holy Spirit is to make the heart itself the crowning jewel. And so, so difference is, is talent from character that it's possible to do the work and the miracles of God and, and not achieve anything at all. Another way to put it is it's possible to give your talents to the service of God and not to the heart of God. And so two questions arise out of this. Well, if that's true, then how does that happen? You know, why, how, how could you be a, a non-Christian doing all these amazing things? And the, the short answer to that is, can you imagine a world where Christians were the only people doing good things in the world? <laughs> it's this wonderful theological thing called God's common grace that he can and he does and he will work through people that are not believers to do good things for the world. So it's possible he works through people that they haven't given their heart to God in order to do great things. But the other question out of it then is, look, how, how is it still possible that good things happen in the church? And what I'm saying is that it's more possible today than ever to mistake your talents for character. Are you up for a case study? 
quick case study. Like, imagine there's this guy, it's just hypothetical, that hates his mother. And so he's always furious at his mother. Now, I'm not a psychologist. Most of you are not psychologists. Um, but it's passed down into his heart and it's distorting his character. And you think, well, how's it distorting his character? Well, what do you think the overflow of that's going to be? Now, how's it going to affect his relationship with women? How's it going to affect his relationships romantically and personally and friendship? All of that is going to overflow at some point. And not only that, the deeper level, if you've got all sorts of unresolved issues with your parents, there's, there's this base note of self-pity that can, can permeate your life. You know, the, you know a base note, you know, base notes, you hear them. Mikey was playing it during communion, the pads. You, you, sort of, you can't really hear them, but you sense them because they shake you. <laughs> There's this base note in your life and what happens is people like that come through and, and they find that they're constantly saying that their life's a stuff up and that's how things always go for me and after what she's done to me, I've never had this and I've never had that. And, and when you have that sort of base note, it's not just a relationship with your mum, but suddenly this guy realises that there's, there's anger overflowing and there's temper overflowing and there's frustrations overflowing. Are you with me? He doesn't know how to bounce back. There's not that character there. Now, here's the case study class. What happens when that person suddenly walks into a place like this and becomes a Christian? It can go, it can go one of two ways. Either he can take on the arduous, hard, constant, long-term work of, of understanding the word of God and the love of God and taking that into his head and down into his heart until it begins to dissolve him and transform him and, and, and dissolve away all of that angst and self-pity that he had. He could do that hard work of character change. But on the other hand, instead of bringing that love of God into his heart, what if he just says, well, let's get on with the business of church? And guess what? He comes into church, he comes into Northside and suddenly you discover that uh, he's pretty good at public speaking. And so they you know, lead a group and, and then starts leading a group doing some teaching and then they start doing some teaching. And, and you know it's funny with, with talents in the church that when you're good at them, they just naturally overflow. And so people start coming to group and they're part of group and it's dynamic and it's challenging and suddenly all these people start turning up because he's amazing at teaching. And then what do people then think after all of that? Oh, well, God God must be working through him. Look at all the people that are turning up. And then, and then therefore he must have a fine character. Have you seen the case study? We are constantly mistaking talents for character. And, and, and what Paul is saying, we, we must not do that because to do all of that and to mistake that, to do all of these things and not get that love, that character piece right, it can amount to nothing. You know, take a million, you know, one, zero, 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 zero. Is that enough zeros? Yeah. What happens when you take away the one? How much does that amount to? Zero. You could add another zero. Still going to amount to zero. And that's what Paul is getting at here. If we, we haven't connected into the very heart and the grace of God when we mistake our talents for character. So let's draw out some application as we finish off this morning. I'm probably talking through and looking at about three different types of people that are here this morning. The doer, the downer, and the do-gooder. Right? I don't know where you might sit, but you can work that out. The doer, the downer, or the do-gooder. You see, the, the doer. Uh, now, that's often who the main person that this passage is for. 
I can relate to the doer. They're the people in ministry. They're the people here at Northside. They're running Bible studies. They're serving. They're playing on team. Uh, they're, they're out front. They're out back. They're doing stuff for God. And it's an incredible danger, says Paul, to look at all the things that you are doing that you're accomplishing. I'm on this committee. I'm on this team. I've done this mission. To look at all of those things and say, I'm working for God. Look at all that God is doing through me. Let me, let me just give you a personal testimony in reverse. That is that I'd say I've got the gift of speaking. I hope I would have worked that out by now. And what I'm learning as I go through all of this is that I can and, and I have, if I'm honest with you. There have been mornings where I've come up here and, and I've been harboring unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. Or I've been cold towards God because I'm angry and I'm frustrated. And I get up here and none of you would know that. Because as I get up here, I've found over the years, you know, if it's, it's been five or six years, it's got to be, what, I don't know, 100, 200, 250 different sermons that I've preached. What I'm starting to, to learn is that my gifts don't boot off of God's grace. That I can secretly carry all of that stuff in my heart. And yet come up here and we can de- deliver a sermon and, 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 and we all work out of here and, and God chooses to work through me in that way and you're incredibly encouraging and all this sort of stuff happens. But he knows the depths of where my heart is. And I'm not operating out of his grace. And if we take that too far, then all all it ever becomes is about the doing and whether we've put another good Sunday on here and and whether or not God, you know, everyone sensed that God really worked through me. And so I guess my question is for you this morning if you're a doer, if I know that is true for myself, could it possibly be true for you as a Northsider? That we're taking all the, all the things that we're naturally good at and we're bringing it into this beautiful and this wonderful community. And God is doing amazing stuff. But it's this time of year where we can just behind the scenes as a family say, you know what, we've got to get the trajectory right. And we've got to understand where we're booting out of. That it's entirely possible that you are operating for God and in service purely out of your gifts and your talents and your natural abilities. But then uh, there's the, the downers. Now, that's the other person said, the, the whole sermon, Sam, you've talked about professionals, and I'm not a professional. And, and I don't have speaking gifts, and I don't have talents, and I don't have abilities, and, and uh, I'm not as razzle-dazzle as all of you guys, and I can't twinkle on the piano like a Michael Thomas. And, you know, I don't, I don't have that. I'm not smart. I'm not articulate. I don't dress the same. I guess my, my encouragement to you this morning is that if you use your talents as the yardstick for Christianity, then don't you realise that talents are limited? People can be a good public speaker, but they may not be a Billy Graham. I'm not a Billy Graham. People can have great good gifts of leadership, but they're not going to start holding nominations like John Wesley. Gifts and talents are limited. And this is the wonderful piece of encouragement for you this morning. But on the other hand, your character has unlimited potential. Don't you realize that's how you can change the world? Now, some of you are saying, oh, you sound like those sorts of people in Sydney that said, oh, yeah, they're not talented, but they've at least got a nice personality. Right? But Paul is speaking into that. Jesus has proven that, 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 that a character, that if you go in and you are the most loving and the, 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 kinder, the kindest and the most forgiving person in your workplace or your family or your neighbourhood, that's how we change the world. And there is unlimited potential for growth of your character in that way, but there is limited potential in your gifts. And so you can be an ungifted speaker, pianist, therapist, delegator, organised, but if you are godly and loving and like Jesus Christ, people will follow you. 
And anyone in this room can be the most godly saint to follow Jesus Christ on this earth, the most loving, gracious person in their neighborhood. If you're down on yourself this morning, surely there can be no greater, uh, greater, more noble identity than that. And then finally, there's the do-gooders. Now, I don't mean that in the insulting sort of way. I mean it in the best intention. You know, people that just got a fervor and a passion to do stuff. You know, the, the do-gooders, you know, it's, it's those that often, look, let's be real, this time of year, this is a time of year where a lot of people are, are thinking, I'm, I might pick up yoga and I might pick up, uh, I might pick up a new gym membership and I might pick up Christianity because, you know, it's, it's new, new year, new you and um, I think I'm going to pick up Christianity and I'm going to be checking this thing out and if you're checking this stuff out, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here and I mean that in the best possible way. But the question I've got to ask the do-gooders is, why did Jesus come to earth? And traditional churches will say he came to earth to die on the cross, forgive people's sins and send them off to heaven. <laughs> and, uh, and Dallas Willard, the great Christian writer, uh, said in answer to that sort of approach, he said, well, if that was the case, why didn't they just kill Jesus at birth and get the blood, spill it and we're all done with it? What he was getting at is he's saying that the great revolution of Jesus Christ was not a, not a revolution of theology or a revolution of, of, of institution. It was a revolution of character. That he comes in, remember with his boys in John chapter 1, and he says to that guy called Simon, who was Peter, was it the feet washing thing that we heard about this morning? He says to Simon, which meant reedy in the original language, he said, Simon, I'm now going to call you Cephas or Peter or Rock. He says, I'm going to, uh, he looks at him and he says, uh, you were called Reedy, but now you're going to be Rock. And here's what he means by all of that. He means anyone, Jesus Christ means anyone that comes in contact with me, such is my transforming power of my life, that I will change your character for the better. So Jesus Christ has come to earth, not just to die for sins. And yes, that is all partly true. Jesus Christ came to earth to put an end to erratic driving and road rage. He came to put an end to the inner conflict that is wrestling around in your cabin. He's, become, he's come to come and, and work all of that out. And, and guys, when we get that, you see that Christianity is not just an addition to your life. It's a whole new way of life. That the problems we face are rooted far deeper than just a bit of an argument here or there. You know, Willard says, from the practical point of view, then the radical problem concerning the power structures of this world is how to transform the new, normal human character away from its usual high level of readiness to disregard God and to harm others for the sake of our own fear Pride, lust, greed, envy, and indifference. <laughs> Character is everything. Character is everything. And church, when I say, look, the quality of our community will be the secret to our mission. Guys, I'm not talking about the coffee. It's good. I'm, I'm, not, talking about, I'm not talking about our music. It's great. I'm not talking about how, how clean we've kept the carpet. I'm not talking about how snazzy the word was. What I'm talking about is the sum total of yours and my character as a church and as people come into contact with that as people come and experience a different church and a different community in 2015 that's what will transform the world not just here but in your workplaces in your families in those that have got contact with you character is everything and that's why i just want us to start to catch a glimpse of its significance if you're a Christian here today, don't mistake your talents for character. Look at your life. Are you growing? Ask someone who knows you. Are you happier this year than you were last year? 
In fact, maybe last year was a, was a hopeless year for you. And so you're not happier, but did you grow? Are you stronger? Are you more resilient? Did you bounce back? Is there character there? It's possible, Northside, to do, 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 and be nothing. Heaven forbid, as one of the leaders here, that we would be a church at the end of 2015 that did that. I, just, I would rather, as one of the leaders here, just do the simple stuff, but do the right stuff for God. If it's all going to amount to nothing in the end, if we're off track. And this morning for us, we need to look at ourselves and say, am I hiding behind the good things I'm doing? You know, in my work life, in my spiritual life, where I'm serving, whether it be in missions or worship or finance or preaching or communion or front foyer, whatever it might be, am I hiding behind that? And behind that, even scarier, is there an anxiousness? Is there a lack of joy? Is there a frustration? Am I being slighted? Am I angry and all of that? But on the other hand, we look at this list of being loving and kind and not boasted and easily angered and we, we hear that that is the promise of who you and I can become. And when we do that together and as a community, we'll change the world. So it's easy to mistake one point sermon, remember? Don't mistake your talents for character. It's everything and that's why I hope that you'll be back with us next week when we look at what character really is. Let's pray.